On this episode of The Playbook, I have the incredible, most notable woman on Wall Street, Louvleen Sadu, CEO, chair, and founder of BM Technologies. And we're going to talk about, after going to Harvard, Wharton, creating and re-engineering all of the banking world, what the number one thing she forgot to do is. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I have such a special guest. We've waited a long time for her, and it's well worth the wait because she keeps on getting better. Louvleen Sadu, CEO, Chair, and Founder of Bank Mobile Technologies, Inc., Welcome to the playbook, Louvleen. Thank you, David. So happy to be here. You know, I love young women entrepreneurs. I love executives who have thought outside the box and overachieved what other people have done. I always say one of the best things in my life is since I've been young, everybody laughs at me, scoffs at me and makes fun of me. And I love when eventually they applaud me, whether it be from academics to athletics uh, to career decisions I've made. It seems to be the consistent, persistent theme in my life. Mm-hmm. Have you had that happen to you in your life where people didn't believe in you, they laughed at you, made fun of you, or just felt you didn't belong? Well, it's interesting. Um, I almost feel, I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but women in general, I, at least I can speak for myself, tend to be more of an inner critic. So it's forget about the outside world. We like criticize ourselves, the, the amount of pressure, the self-pressure, the self-critical eye. Um, and at least in my own journey, that has been uh, the biggest thing for me to fight, to really see my own potential and go beyond my own limiting beliefs about what is possible. And uh, so, so I would answer it in that way. And although that you may have had those limitations, like so many others, especially women, I have three daughters as well, and I'm constantly trying to empower them to not ask for crumbs, as I say, and you know, not have limiting beliefs, and we all do. Uh, but our upbringing, especially in our education, uh, really influence our careers. Now, you went a completely different path than most people uh, do that are like you. What were some of the things that influenced your upbringing uh, from your upbringing and your education uh, to get to where you are today? Yeah. So I think that um, nothing should ever limit your passion, limit your future, but you definitely can take steps to really establish a good foundation of wanting to get where you want to go. And I was lucky. I didn't, I didn't have a choice in this. I was lucky with upbringing. There is, you know, very loving family, instilled a lot of confidence in me that maybe wasn't even there. So I got that outward sort of um, applaud, you could say, or confidence building from my own family, um, very much so. And so definitely had that. And then also my father was an entrepreneur and businessman. And so by osmosis, you could say I kind of saw him in his element growing up in terms of, you know, setting goals and exceeding them and believing in himself and seeing someone with action, not just saying the talk. So that upbringing um, from that standpoint definitely influenced me and my path and who I am, Uh, my education as well. Uh, I think I was innately very self-motivated 
Um, and you know, I was valedictorian and my goal was to go to Harvard. I just always wanted to go to Harvard. Um, and I made it my goal to do that. And I was fortunate because it's not just hundred percent effort. There's luck involved in these things. Um, and, and I, and I made it there. Um, and it's a great sort of foundational piece uh, of my life. And, and then career wise, you know, I started my career at Lehman brothers. My first day on the job was Lehman bankruptcy, which also influenced where I am today because um, walking in when everyone was walking out with boxes and the amount of hatred that people had for big banks uh, at that time was really impactful on me and really helped drive our mission that we can create a bank that people love, that is for the people um, and is solving their pain points while still being profitable. So I think an upbringing, education, past career, all have impacted really where I am today. Well, it's very impressive to me. My siblings, I have five of them, all went to the Ivy Leagues, Harvard, Penn, Columbia. Uh, and, you know, I used to discount uh, the academic intelligence side of it. But what I really admire about my siblings uh, who went to school with you is the consistent, persistent behavior. It's one thing, like you said, to, uh, you know, have the academic uh, capability uh, to be able to learn like that. But I know looking back with complete humility, you know, the focus and clarity and balance that my siblings had uh, and a little bit of luck, which came from the hard work as well uh, to make it uh, there. But beyond, you know, the head start that you get by putting in the effort um, and being consistent, it must have been overwhelming, you know, to start your job right in the bankruptcy. Um, and you talked about real briefly what an influence it had. You wanted to then re-engineer the entire banking system, the banking world. Uh, how long did it take you to figure out how to do that and then to create a business um, like you have with Bank Mobile? Yeah, so um, I joined Lehman Brothers when I graduated, so I was 22. And by the time I started Bank Mobile, which is now BM Technologies, I was 28. So it was during those years, I guess that's how long it took. Um, and it was a culmination of various different experiences. I didn't know what I was going to set out to do. I didn't know that we were going to build BM Technologies. It was about where I am right now and how can I put in my 110% and create the most value for myself? Because when you do give 110% wherever you are, another door opens. At least that's what I found in my life. And so it was really an evolution of starting my career at Lehman Brothers um, and that impact that that left. Um, then joining um, a bank, which we ended up being our incubator for BM Technologies. And it was during my stint there where we started exploring uh, digital banking models. Um, and, and I learned about Bank Simple, which was one of the first neobanks to ever launch and was very uh, in awe of Josh and Shamir, the CEOs there. So that was my first foray into actually a new digital banking model. Then I went to Wharton, got my MBA, took an entrepreneurship class that is very well known at Wharton um, by Professor Malik. And it introduced this idea of, wait, entrepreneurship, solving a consumer pain point and building a business around it is exciting to me. And so that was another layer of evolution in, in realizing what I liked. Then I worked at Booz and Company in their financial services practice during my summer internship at business school and helped a large financial institution launch their own digital bank. Um, 
And so it was a culmination of all these things that really led to the evolution of, of where I am today. And, you know, I do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and teach a lot myself. And I consider you one of the poster child of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur in every level. And one of the things that I most admire, not just about your academic intelligence, your emotional intelligence, your adaptable intelligence, is your willingness to ask for help. Uh, people ask me all the time, what would you change through the hundreds of millions of dollars that I've made and lost over the years? And I said, well, if I could go back and talk to my 13, 23, 33, 43, and I still talk to myself today, reminding myself, ask for help, find mm -hmm. someone that's in the situation I want to be in and ask for directions. Mentorship mm -hmm. has seemed to play a really important role, making you this poster child of success, the Meltzer poster child of success. You know, have and do you have mentors now and how have they impacted you? Yeah, for sure. So I definitely believe in constant learning and I'm really open to it. And I think that that's also what helps anyone progress both in their personal life and professional life is being never closed. Even when I hear an opinion that's different than mine, it's like, let me try to understand that opinion because there's maybe something I can learn from there. So it's mindset as well as mentors. Um, mentors, um, so I was in a position, luckily, at age 30 to join an organization called YPO. It's Young Presidents Organization, and it's really a network of presidents and CEOs from across the world. Uh, and, and being able to tap into that network where we have monthly forums with a group of seven to eight CEOs, um, and they really become a sounding board, a personal and professional board of directors in a, in a way. And they all run companies. And so I would say my YPO network has really been an important access point for mentors for me. Uh, and I also am blessed that I do view my father from a professional standpoint to be a mentor to me, to really, um, you know, he's in, he was in banking and he was a more old school veteran banker, um, but less about his professional career in banking and more about the mindset around it. Like I just hear his thoughts, whether it's, you know, never give up. If it's humanly possible, you can do it. You know, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Always have something significant left to do. Like there's so many things he has taught me that just ring in my head and I will never forget and are really important drivers in, in uh, motivating me, keeping focused, keeping going no matter what and opening new doors. And speaking of opening new doors, you not only have opened new doors for yourself, but so many other women. You know, I've worked with YPO for years and speak at all the regional, national, even international events and meet so many wonderful young professionals like yourself. But one of the uh, common denominators that I see with the members of YPO is not only do they value mentorship, but they also offer their mentorship. And it's a big part of their lives is to support uh, other people like themselves to elevate others, to elevate themselves. How important has it been for you to support uh, other women in your industry and to elevate them? And what are you doing to elevate them? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really important and it's a journey. Uh, I hope that I do a lot more and continue to build upon what I'm doing. Uh, but I would say the way that I'm, I've started it is at our own company. So first just starting in, in the most highest proximity way and just looking at our executive management team and our leadership team, you know, our head of 
marketing is a woman or head or CAO is a woman or head of compliance is a woman um, and really bringing women to the table um, and adding that diversity to our team. And especially in financial services, when it's over-indexed men, um, we're helping to not just build this company this way, but shift the industry in this way. Um, also, our, our board has, has women on it as well. So not just at the, the, the management level. Um, and then, you know, outside of work, I'm really into spirituality too. And I'm part of an organization um, and uh, it's, uh, it's based in Nichiren Buddhism, but it's called the Soka Gakkai International. And I lead a young women's division group where, where it's really about helping to foster not just professionally, but emotionally and spiritually, because all pillars of your life are important to, to grow and to enjoy and to help flourish. And so I, I'm really active in that as well. That's amazing. And just so you know, the president of my company is a woman. Uh, the woman, uh, the person that raised me was a woman. And I joke around, but it's true. The person that still raises me today, my wife is a woman. Uh, so <laughs> I totally understand uh, why we need uh, more leaders like you and more women in those positions. But in the context of banking and digital banking, uh, where you're a true pioneer, a true entrepreneur, um, there's been challenges and benefits to digital banking. I was hoping you could you know, discuss with us what are the biggest challenges today that face uh, digital banking and what are some of the benefits? Yeah, I think the challenges are, are really evident in the sense of why these business models, why these fintechs came up, why these neobanks came up, why competitors of ours came up. And that was really because you know, the basic needs of the consumer weren't being met really around affordability, transparency, more consumer-friendly products. Like Americans are being charged $34 billion a year in just overdraft fees. Um, that's a lot. Uh, you know, Average checking account fees are over 100 bucks annually. And especially um, for those that are distant or unbanked or underserved or skeptical of the financial system, that, that's not helpful in, in fostering financial inclusion. Um, so I would say... Um, you know, the, the challenges are being addressed by the newer players like us that came on board that really are solving, utilizing technology and solving for those consumer pain points. Um, yeah. Perfect. And, you know, you and I share another thing in common. I, uh, beyond my unwinding routine at night, because my tomorrow starts today, routines are essential, uh, mm -hmm. including my adaptable routine. How have, you know, as most Ivy Leaguers, routine uh, played an integral role, not only in getting to where you are, but taking you to the next level and leveling mm -hmm. up? I, I think it's a, it's a really good point. So, you know, I talked about that spirituality resonates with me. So I really like starting my day with a spiritual practice. And I, I already mentioned a little bit about Nichiren uh, Buddhism. Uh, which to me is less a religion. It's just more of a toolkit and a, a resource for me. And um, the principle around that Buddhism is chanting. And so there's just one chant called Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. And I start every morning with chanting, um, even if it's five minutes, if that's all I can get in. But consistently, I try for at least 30 minutes every day. And what it does is expands my life force and my life energy and really brings out to me my highest level of wisdom and energy source for the day, which helps me make 
the best causes for the day because it's really based on cause and effect and creating a life that that you're trying to create and um, just puts me in the right mindset. It's almost like the armor for the day that you can navigate most of the things that happen instead of like this, really like this and create the most value from any outcome that is thrown your way. Um, so I would say that, and I am getting married in October. So I gained, I gained um, some, some weight during COVID. And so now I'm also trying to put in exercise with a trainer you know, three times a week as well. So my morning routine really has an element of exercise and physical activity as well as a spiritual practice. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I have studied quantum healing in India. I am a theta meditator. <clears throat> I have my mantra of Nam Myoho Renge Kyo as well. So I know it well. And it has, as two people that look completely different here on the screen, uh, it has equally had impact in my life as well, the chanting and meditation. And I'm the last person on earth. In fact, when I flew to India and someone suggested data meditation to me, I told them, I don't have time to meditate. Uh, only broke, sick, people sleeping on their mom's couch, unemployed, meditate. I have made everything happen. I, I need my time. What a mistake that was. I wish I was spent in meditation and also chanting. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as, you know, that reconciliation, though, uh, health is so important and it's so interesting because i personally later on in my life started to make a non-negotiable of a minimum of an hour a day on my health uh, mm -hmm. because i can't take care of others if i don't take care of myself mm -hmm. uh, why do you think it is last question you know because i'm completely amazed you know you are literally one of the most powerful women on wall street you know most notable women on wall street for sure mm -hmm. and yet you have everything together in your life, right? You meditate, you're spiritual, you are kind, you're a mentor, you're a mentee, you're humble. And yet all of these great things, you Ivy Leaguer, you know, Warren, but yet we miss the most important thing about taking care of ourselves. Why do you think it took so long for mm -hmm. you to realize that I don't, if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of my family or my business. Why do you think it takes people like us so long to figure out we got to take care of ourselves? Yeah, I think um, I don't want to make generalizations, but from an immigrant family as well, like it's it's very much about productivity and achievement. And I think that that was instilled very early on. And so it's almost like a turning of the way that you think. And I think as you uh, introduce yourself and expose yourself to new modules of coaching or learning from others, you're able to see that you can have achievement, but you can, you also need rejuvenation and that, um, the most powerful thing you can do. I was actually listening to a, a podcast, um, yesterday, just take, you know, I, this was me. I felt like by the end of the day, you're so exhausted. You just want to lay on the couch, watch some TV. And that's not a good way to end the, the day, like exhausted or whatever. But if you take like intermittent 15, minute segments throughout the day to replenish yourself, your productivity, your creativity, your energy to motivate um, others will all be better. And it's almost like you are being even more productive by taking a back seat and rejuvenating and taking care of yourself. And I've learned that over time. And I have to remind myself, recollect and remember that at all times, uh, that that rest, that rejuvenation allows us, including that's why I have an unwinding routine. Well, you are an incredible entrepreneur, philanthropist, empowerer. 
an incredible individual and I've been blessed to get to know you a little bit better to share your playbook of success with others has been extraordinary. Louvlin Sadu, Chair and CEO, founder of BM Technologies. Thank you so much for sharing your playbook to success. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.